Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for that. My, uh, it's very close to, to home for me. My great-grandfather uh, served in the war and, and as a result came home, lost both his legs um, as a result of injuries sustained. My parents were both in the military and my grandparents on the other side. And so if you, your family members, or maybe you have served and you're here, um, or you know people, friends and that, we just thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of that. And we love our nation. We love that. So we've been uh, speaking through Romans. This is the second last week in the book of Romans. Yeah, we've been in it for a while, not nearly enough, because Romans is so amazing and, and meaty, but, um, but we want to get ready for our Christmas series that we're going to start. So next week, I'm going to kind of conclude Romans, and then we're going to be going into our, our Christmas series. We're going to um, have a few different people speaking. Our, our sort of topic is, guess what, Christmas, but uh, it's actually, um, it'll come to me in a minute, hope made flesh, hope made flesh. Because that's, that's what Christmas is. It, it, it's, a, it's God. It's hope coming and becoming flesh for us. And we're going to have actually Owen will be speaking, which is awesome. It's going to be great. He's going to be uh, sharing. Uh, Brad will be speaking as well. And we have uh, someone all the way from New Zealand coming to speak as well. And, uh, and I'll get to speak. We're going to have a great Christmas service as we're praying to that. So I'm excited, though. So this is kind of a, a continuation on from last week. It's okay if you weren't here last week. That's fine. You'll be able to step on in. But we, we talked about being a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12. And we had a great response time at the end. It, it was beautiful to, to see uh, so many people willing to just put themselves back on the altar. Because that's what being a living sacrifice is. And I told us last week, the problem about us being living sacrifices, like, the, like Paul in Romans 12 urges us to do, he compels us to do, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, is that we wiggle off the altar. We move off the altar. And as a living sacrifice, we have to present ourselves back. When something's dead and put on the altar, it's fine. It stays there. It just freezes. It stays there. But, but if you're anything like me, we, we get on the altar, and then a couple of days go by, we start to wiggle off, and, get, and we have to place ourselves back on it. And so that's what we're continuing to, um, to look at tonight as we go into the, the rest of Romans 12 there. So if you have your Bibles, you can get ready at Romans 12. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. So after the service, that's our gift to you. Please go to the information desk and they will set you up with a Bible. Um, but who loves uh, or did love in school or maybe you're studying or maybe you're in a career, any of the science-based subjects, you know, chemistry and yeah, Nicole's obviously, yeah, well, the, I don't even know what it is that you do, the genius science work that you do as a career, but, you know, like lots of biology and physics, and um, that's about my extent of knowledge of different ones. I, I love, um, I lo I'm fascinated by these, and more and more so. I always try to have at least one book on the go related to, like, the, the latest things in genetics or biology, um, physics, psychology. I, I just love learning it. But in school, in high school, let's just say I wasn't that into it. I, I like the blowing up things, like that was a fun part of trying to blow things up, but, but I wasn't into science like I, I should have been. Um, the subject fascinated me, I just didn't get along with the teacher too well, and it kind of left a, you know, a, a bad taste in my mouth about it. Um, but one of the things that I, I do remember is doing a litmus test, a pH test, yep, maybe a few nods, checking things for acidity, yeah, here we go. Um, 
there, yeah, and uh, check in, you know, you'd, you'd check things for um, whether they're acidic or alkaline or whatever, you know, different colors and um, all that stuff. And, and I remember doing this, that kind of thing, and that was fascinating to me, that you could actually check the substance of something or, or, or check into what was going on, and then you could adjust accordingly and make changes, and then the result would come back different. It would change. And that's what we're going to kind of look at tonight of how we're approaching this scripture as a little bit of a litmus test in our life. But the cool thing about it is if it comes back, you know, too far into one side or the other, too far into the blue or the red, we can actually make adjust adjustments through the power of the cross and through the Holy Spirit here tonight that will actually return a different result to us. Um, like I said, I, I tended to get along with teachers uh, either really, really well or really, really bad. There wasn't a, a middle ground. And it was, I think, a bit to do with my, what I think I know it was, I, I like to question and poke and prod and steer the class off in a different direction. Um, because, you know, I get told that, you know, two times two is four, and I'd want to know, well, why is two times two four? Who got to decide that? Why do we call two two and not apple? And why is the color blue not red? And why is the sun not called ocean? And all these things. Super annoying, Brad. Like, that would be an annoying student to have. The funny thing is I went to university um, afterwards to do a Bachelor of Education. And so after my first practical, I, I tried to contact as many of my teachers from my past, and I apologized to them. I, I, and in a small town, that's pretty easy to do. So I apologized to most of them. I, I was like, I am sorry for what I put you through in school. Um, but so one of the things I remember and that you might remember is doing a litmus test. The title of tonight's message is The Litmus Test for Living Out Grace and Glory. I want to approach this, uh, the, this passage in Romans 12 uh, as a litmus test for us. Because this is right after where, um, where we, like we looked at last week, where Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, for this is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the, um, the ways of this world or the, or the ways of this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then he goes into the passage about the body, um, and, you know, we all have a function in the body. We, we touched on that a little bit last week, and we all have a, a, a part to play. And, and now he goes into listing a bunch of, of things we should do. And it's in the context of Romans 1 to 11, which talks about all the amazing things God's done for us and the mercies and the grace and the peace that he's made with us and that he's made us be able to overcome all things, all these things. Therefore, this is how a living sacrifice life would look we are always got to get that order right it was God who did first we don't do these things to justify ourselves before him he actually has justified us therefore we get to do these things as a result of that and so I'm going to jump into I do want to just reference that Romans 12 verse uh, 2 it says do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind um, you know that that's a big deal and that's kind of we're going to loop back around we're going to go through the scripture and come back to that but I love what a Bible teacher, J.C. Philpott, who uh, was in the 1800s, said about this. He said, in, in relation to this um, conforming, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. Uh, he says, in proportion as we are conformed to the spirit of this world, our understanding becomes dull in the things of God. Our affections become cold and our conscience less tender and sensitive. And he goes on to talk about, but when we're transformed, we actually become more sensitive uh, to, to the word, how the word, how the word of God is meant to function in us, renew us, and how the world is actually meant to be. 
in a non-broken state. It's an amazing thought. Um, the pattern of this, this world or age are much like the cycles that we have seen throughout history. And we're not going to jump into this too much, but, you know, basically since the fall of the garden, we see in the Old Testament, and I, I love history, we see a pattern emerging of, of, um, of selfishness, of divisiveness, of conflict, of a worship of created things rather than the creator. And this is the cycle that will, will come around, and that causes, you know, you can pretty much uh, put any, any of the evil and atrocities in the world come back to, a, um, you know, obviously an evil an enemy who's driving evil, but, but to selfishness or to greed, to, to, to things, to, uh, trying to grab power. This is the pattern of this age. We're, we're told to not buy into that, not get sucked into the ways of this world, but be transformed by the word of God. And that's what I'm believing tonight as we explore this passage, that rather than just hearing words, we're actually getting transformed, our minds getting renewed in his presence. Um, and so Paul here is writing and he's urging the Roman church to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's the context we're in. The goal of a living sacrifice, or in the Greek, like last week we looked at, it's actually a living killing. It's a deliberate paradox that Paul, Paul says there, that we're not actually killing anything in the physical because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross, that there's no sacrifice that we could ever do or make anymore that would, uh, would actually achieve anyway. Did that He fulfilled the sacrifice and the system, the sacrificial system of the old covenant on the cross. So what are we actually killing in our life? Well, it's, it's the right to self-determination. It's the right to, um, if, we, if we're presenting ourselves, we're actually killing that I'm going to do things my way and not God's way. We're actually killing that we wouldn't include God in our decisions. We're putting ourselves back on the altar, alive, but sacrifice, saying, God, have your way. So here we go in 12 verse 9. Say, get into it, Stephen. Good, I will, since you asked so politely. 12 verse 9. Um, this is where Paul's starting to, to list these things. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Okay, we'll pause there. It's, it's up here. We'll keep, keep this up. Like I said before, that's awesome. Um, love must be sincere. You can't fake love. You just can't do it. Fake love isn't love. It, it, it's, an instance, it's not even, you can't even call it love. Love can't really exist without sincerity in it. So what we're doing is, as we go through these things, I want us to be doing a litmus test of how's this going in our world. As we all, I know everybody here wants to present ourselves as a living sacrifice before God. And when he lists these behaviors, how are we doing? If we were to take a litmus test, a pH test, how are we doing on the, on the, the real love thing? You know, I, I have said it. You might have said it. We all probably have thought it. Um, I've preached it, and I'll probably preach it again. There's an element of truth of you don't have to like someone in order to love them. Or you don't have to like something. I just don't know about that anymore. I find it pretty hard to, to love something if I don't like it. It's a good premise because we can choose to love. And so love, we can make a choice. So if you're really struggling with something, you're like, oh, God, I don't know how to love this person. Um, you can choose to love that person. But I think you actually, the best way is to find something to like about them first. That's what I, I've found. It's a choice to love. You can choose it. Anyway, that's a side note. But Going on to what, what I continue to say here is my question tonight for our litmus test. Do you hate what is evil? Do we hate? Do I hate what is evil? Now, I think our automatic response is, of course. Of course, we all hate what is evil. And I, I believe that there's no one e evil here tonight and, and that would say that they em embrace evil. 
But when I was going through the word and, and going, okay, God, speak to me this week. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I, I wrote this question down, do I hate what is evil? I think a lot of us have in our, in our head that we hate what is evil. But really, we're probably more just apathetic to what is evil. We're just apathetic. We have become desensitized to atrocities and the evil activity around us every day. That God, God hates evil. He doesn't hate the people doing the evil, but he hates the evil. He hates the system or the culture or the enemy who's got in and produced evil in somebody. But are you, do you actually hate evil or are you apathetic to it? I love that it goes on to, we're going to revisit evil and thought about evil lately because we actually get the, we get the remedy to, to how do we defeat evil in the world and in our lives, um, which is awesome. But it goes on to say, uh, be, um, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. You know, I love this word cling because you actually look into it and, and what it literally means is, in the Greek, cling. But it also means to hug and hold, to grip onto to grip onto what is good. I was walking down uh, downtown the other day towards the new library, which I love. It's awesome. So nice of the city to just put millions and millions of dollars to prepare a nice little office for me to <laughs> go and sit in and enjoy and, uh, and have all that stuff there. Thank you, Calgary. I love it. Um, amazing. I love it. You should check it out. I love that our city's actually investing in that kind of thing. It's beautiful. Um, but I was walking towards it, and I saw the funniest thing. Maybe someone's seen something similar. Um, there was... I guess it was a car door, and a, a mum and a family was there with young kids, like probably three or four years old, and she was trying to get her son out of the car, and he was gripped on with both hands onto the door, and she was literally, like, pulling him, pulling him as hard, and the other, the other sibling was standing there going, you're not going to get him, you're not going to get him, he's too strong, you're not going to get him, and the parents are just trying to, trying to get him, and he's gripped on, and I thought, wow, that's actually what, like, what Paul is saying here is grip and hold on to what is good. Don't give up. Don't let go. There's good things in your world. There's good things happening. Be like that kid and just hold on for dear life as the parents are just prying him off the door. It was an awesome scene. I'm sure you can picture it. But that's the expression that Paul is using here. Hold on to the good in the world and fight to do good. Don't just go and give in and say, oh, everything around me is not going well and everyone around me is not doing good. No, fight for good cling to it. Hold on. You can do it. Step up. You're created to. You are free to be able to do good because of the cross, no matter what evil circumstances you might find yourself. Maybe even you just find yourself in apathetic circumstances. You can do good. You can be a light. You're empowered to be light. Fight for what is good. Reject what's evil. Um, in verse 10, goes on. Be, he says, be devoted to one another in love. So here's the next litmus test, okay? Who are you devoted to? In love. Who are you devoted to? Devotion's not just for marriage. Of course, it's in marriage. You're devoted and you're dedicated. But, but Paul's talking to, to singles here. He's talking to Ro, uh, Roman Jews. He's talking to Roman Gentiles. He's talking to people from all around the world of all different shapes and sizes and opinions and personalities, all kinds of things going on. And, and he's saying, be devoted to one another in love, dedicated to each other. That means not just when all is going good, but all, when things aren't going great, who are you devoted to? It's still showing up. It's a commitment. He's talking, like I said, he's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to the Roman church. And they were all not just a bunch of clones that were all in harmony and getting along fine. We get this strange idea 
that um, when Paul's talking to the church and in Acts, it's like, well, it was easy for them. They, uh, they agreed on everything. And, and actually, they probably looked a lot more like us here. Not like in clothing, obviously. But they would have had different opinions. Different personalities would have clicked better with each other than the other ones would be more difficult. They would have had different ideas about politics, different ideas about finances, different ideas about church and all these kind of things. But Paul is actually saying to them, something that they can do if they are a living sacrifice is they can be devoted to one another. C3 Church, I want us to be dedicated to one another. And I know we have some people visiting and, and you're awesome. Find who you're dedicated and devoted to that you'll choose to, through the thick and thin, good times and challenging, be devoted to. Through awkward conversations in the foyer sometimes, or feelings at times and seasons where this isn't a place for me. Community takes work. It takes effort. It takes dedication. It means putting yourself out there sometimes to someone to invite them over for dinner. You know, we try and make that easy. We have dinner parties every month, and they're amazing. We, pro we provide an opportunity where we can all connect and get to know each other. And so you should sign up. Um, Britt and I, have, we've signed up. Good. Um, we're, we're there because we believe in dinner parties. And, and, and I know the leadership team is as well. And so um, sign on up to those. But, but to do that, but let's have a culture of dinner parties. Like, let's just invite people out. Let's have coffee. Let's, it involves putting yourself out sometimes, being dedicated to committing to community and to building community. God has a part for you in the, in the body of Christ. Um, and are you functioning how in, in this body or, or your body where you're from? If you're church shopping or you've never been to church, that, that's great. But I'd encourage you to, to find somewhere to dedicate yourself to, to become a part of it. Because God has a part of you. Just prior to this verse, Paul actually uses the analogy of the body. He also talks about this in Ephesians. He talks about it in First Corinthians as well. And he alludes to the, the kingdom of God in many of his writings as being body with Christ as the head. But we all have a part. You know, it takes, using that analogy, for my body to, to function well, um, you know, my arm needs to be dedicated to being an arm on my body. If it tries to be a leg, it's not going to work. Not going to work. I've been watching Hugh and learn to crawl on that. He's still figuring that out. Sometimes, you know, his leg wants to be an arm or a food, so he starts eating his foot. Or, you know, he's, but, but for the most part, our body needs to be dedicated to working together with the rest of the body and knowing it's part. But, you know... For Huon, it's taking effort to figure that out. Maybe you're in that season in this place. You're just figuring out your part in the body. Stick to it. Dedicate to it. It's going to happen. You have a place here. goes on to say, honor one another above yourselves. This is the third litmus test. Honor one another above yourselves. So the test is, how do you view and how do you treat other people? And so I think what Paul's saying here and in context of Scripture as we do our, our, our third litmus test, he, he's saying, put others first without putting yourself last. I think it's a fair thing for a Christian to behave like. And, and so it's not, he's not saying, honor other people, let them walk all over you and you just go with it. No, he's actually saying from a, from a place of security of Romans 1 to 11, of knowing who you are in Christ, of knowing what he's done for you and how awesome you are that he sent the ultimate price for you. Therefore, you can honor anybody, you can honor others because you're secure in your identity in Christ. It takes a humble person to be able to honor someone and humility is not a weakness. It's actually one of the strongest things you can develop in your life. In 1 Peter 5, 6, um, the, the apostle Peter writes about this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. 
We should not take, like I said, this is letting someone walk over you, but take the position of a servant just like Jesus did. He washed the disciples' feet. King of kings, Lord of lords, washed the disciples' feet. Came to serve, came to die. C.S. Lewis says about humility, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So humility isn't having bad self-esteem. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I find this is one of the best ways to honor, to develop a culture of honor in yourself. It's just stop thinking about yourself as much and think about other people. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. If we were less self-focused, um, it's quite easy to honor others regardless of who they are. In Romans 12 verse 3, um, we, we talked about that the other week, but it says, For the, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. A biblical view of yourself is that you are so important to God and that he paid the biggest price for you. And because of that, you can honor anybody and elevate them above yourself. The most secure people on planet Earth can honor others because they know their place in God's eyes. So I encourage you, in the litmus test, are you taking, taking the humble position? Are you honoring other people? Okay, verse 11. I'm going through these pretty quick. And some of them might, you know, think, well, you might think, well, I've got that one worked out. And other ones might. But, um, but I'm just trying to get through this test. And then I want to give us the, the way that we actually, there's always got to be a solution if we're out of balance in any different way. So in verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. I don't even know what test I'm up to now. But then this one is, where's your passion levels at? Where's your passion levels at in regards to serving God? Is it something you do because you have to? Something you do in your head, you know that you have to and you've disciplined yourself and, and discipline can be a great thing. But this word um, zeal here and spiritual fervor is talking about an overflowing passion and excitement to serve God. That it's not a chore, it's not a have to, it's like how could I not? Because I just am so passionate about a God who is so passionate for me. The way we live out of zeal and passion for God is serving Him, not ourselves. And just like love, I believe passion is a choice. It requires, you know, figuring out what's taking our passion, if, if something's blocking it, because there are things that will, will block passion in our world and zeal for the Lord. Um, it requires, you know, yeah, figuring that out, destroying it, actually working on it, and allowing the joy of the Lord to be your sustenance. Um, we're going to go into joy here in a moment. But the, I, I have found... Uh, so I, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I, di I didn't grow up knowing God. But I have, um, so probably age 13, uh, I came into a church because they were having a PlayStation 1 night. back when, And I thought, that is the coolest thing ever. That's cutting-edge technology, PlayStation 1 on the big screen. And I, and I, I heard, um, like, I heard about Jesus. I heard someone's testimony, and I couldn't help but give my life to him. And I've never walked away from God in that. Has there been times where I've felt the feeling of passion to, to be at church or, or church or be involved or, or be amongst that, the, the feeling has been tired and worn out and, and not refreshed. Absolutely. But I showed up. I chose to be there. And that's the only remedy that, I, that I've found is to push through, to choose passion. Don't wait for all of a sudden the zeal of the Lord to come on you. Stir it up. It's in you already. Make it happen. If you've been struggling with passion, 
Pray about it. Stir it up. Get passionate. You can do it. And passionate doesn't mean loud and crazy. You can be the quietest um, person and be the most passionate. It's within your personality realm. But whatever it takes for you, stir up that passion for God. Like I said, I find it really hard not to be passionate about God when I discover how passionate He is about me. And that's what we've kind of been looking at in Romans. He's so passionate about you. Yes, you. Not the person next to you. He is about them as well. But you, individually, if you're the only one, he is so passionate about you. If you're the only one that was going to say yes to serving the Lord, he would have done exactly what he did because he's so passionately in love with you. Verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Okay, we're just going to go through this one quickly. But I'd ask you, uh, we we looked at this a few weeks back um, about joy and through trials and patience and affliction. We, we have a podcast now as well. Um, you can jump on, sit through church, East Village, find some of that stuff, but better just to get into the Word of God straight rather than, but, you know, do it. It's all good. Um, but be joyful. So where's your joy at? How patient are you? And are you still praying? There's my three litmus tests for you there in that one. How joyful are you? How patient are you? And are you still in prayer? John Lee led a song for us tonight. This is John Lee. Do you want to just wait? He was, so he's from um, Toronto, and he's here. I was going to do this at the start. Um, he's a longtime friend, longtime friend of many of us here and many of us know. He, he served so faithfully at, um, at C3 over the years under Pastor Lon and Pastor Kelly. Um, and, and John, I just felt like in the, uh, in the worship and that for you, you, that you're starting to see the fruit of years of faithfulness and you think you're seeing it actually you're just seeing the beginning of it because for years and years you've chosen to take the higher ground you've chosen integrity and you've chosen faithfulness and i believe that's the word for you tonight the get ready man because the the it's taken years and years but you're seeing it and you're about to step into breakthrough so there's that take that um but so where's your joy at how patient are you and are you faithful in prayer there's some limits verse 13 share share with the lord's peoples who are in need practice hospitality do you have an open hand or a closed fist with what God's given you? Maybe that's a house that you can open up. Maybe that's a, um, you've been blessed financially. Maybe, whatever it is. Maybe you've uh, got an awesome smile, but you don't share it with people. Whatever that might be, we're actually instructed to, to share with, and, and in this context, share with the Lord's people who are in need. To share with, with each other here. But it also, that implies the Lord's people who, who don't know that they're part of this community yet, right? Like you're working with, and they might not even know God, but, but the Lord is claiming them as his own. And, and you get to share with them and practice hospitality. So do you have an open sharing hand or a closed fist? And are you exercising hospitality? Are you practicing it? That word means practice. Are you practicing hospitality? Isn't that an interesting thing? Well, I'm just not hospitable. I don't have the gift. Practice all right practice doesn't make perfect but it makes better like we say practice makes perfect it makes better the more you practice it the the better you'll get out practice hospitality exercise it 14 bless those who persecute you and uh, bless and do not curse are you blessing those people around you or are you cursing them you know there's a whole theology of cursing and blessing but in its very uh, primitive, or not primitive is the wrong word, in its very sort of fundamental entry level, 
cursing, I believe cursing predominantly comes with our thoughts and our words towards another. We can curse or bless someone. Right? There's power in the power of life and death in the tongue, right? So, so I was convicted because, um, and my wife would very quickly vouch for this, sometimes, but when other people do things, I have certain words that I will say on them. It's okay, keep it, it's PG still. PG is pretty bad these days, let's face it, though, PG movie. But, you know, and, and I'll be quick to get angry and say something about them. Oh, you so-and-so. Oh, you so-and-so, whatever. Um, and God was like, hey, you know you're cursing them. You know you're actually cursing them when you do that. Sorry, God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. That's what we got to do. But that's like... Um, you know, persecution can look like a lot of things, and so maybe you actually have someone, and that's a bigger issue, and that's what it's talking about here. But I just, are you actually blessing people? Are you calling them up around you, or are you cursing them and pushing them down? Are you encouraging people? Are you saying, you're awesome, you're going to make it. Thank you so much. The way that you made my caramel macchiato there, that was perfect. You're awesome. You can actually bless someone and change their day, or you can curse them by saying, man, I have to wait so long for my coffee. No, we're not those people. We bless people. So are you blessing or are you cursing? Uh, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Are you harsh with people when they are going through something? Are you not sensitive? Are you rejoicing? Are you mourning when people do it? Um, I think this speaks of sensitivity. Are you sensitive to what's going on around you? Have you ever been in a situation? I was a few years ago, I was with a friend and uh, we were hanging out and um, I think it was at, at music band practice and there... Uh, grand, one of the grandparents had just, just passed away and so we're in there and praying with them and um, you know, we're mourning and grieving and talking about celebrating the life and uh, one of my other friends who isn't a sensitive guy walked into the room kind of walked in, looked around gee, who died? <laughs> right, that's not being sensitive to someone who's, that was a bit of a situation, you know Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Are you actually looking at what's going on around you? Are you in tune with the Spirit and going, God, what are you doing? What's this person need? They've come to me with a problem or an issue, uh, or they come to me celebrating. Am I celebrating with them, or am I, oh, I wish that was me. I, why couldn't that be me, God? Or are we willing to celebrate other people's wins? That's what we do. If we're a living sacrifice. These are things we do. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. We associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited which just means do not be proud again. Um, do you have an unhealthy pride of yourself? Does that make sense? Are you too proud to associate with a group of people that are not in your clique or not uh, living the life that you think they should be living? Where's your pride at? I think this is litmus test 10, 11, 12, somewhere. Um, yeah, well, I, that's, I think that's a big one that the, ch the church body, we need to get better at. Not being too proud to associate with people of a lower position. That's what Jesus did. That's what we have to do. We're living sacrifices. Uh, verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Um, you know, what we're seeing here as we go through these list of behaviors that we're meant to demonstrate as we kind of start to conclude here um, is that Paul's concerned here for the Romans. He's, he's concerned with how the church actually looks in the eyes of the people is one of his concerns. This is how you should be behaving. Why are you not behaving this way? We need to be concerned with that as well. Not out of a place of 
legalism, but out of a place of grace and glory, like we've been talking about. Living out of grace, these are the things we'll do. Do not repay. Um, and then it goes on, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Are you trying to get along or are you trolling people online? Do you enjoy not getting along with people? It says, I love that he actually stipulates that try to get along with everyone, like however you can. They try to have peace with everyone um, as far as it depends on you, if it is possible. Sometimes you just got to do your best and then let God take care of the rest. Um, some people just do not want to. But we're meant to be people who, who bring peace and we act out of peace in all that we do. In verse 19, uh, um, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Um, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to conclude, conclude here. If I can have the keys come back up, that would be great. I'd like to finish with, with a song tonight. Um, home, actually, so maybe do what you need to do. Um, so, but revenge. This one, we look at this and we go, well, we're not revengeful people, obviously. Um, generally, revenge isn't something we would say we do, but coming back to the traffic analogy... I have a tendency to, I notice, if someone does something to me, my wife's informed me that I, you know, I didn't know that I'd do this, but I speed up next to them just to let them know that they did something wrong sometimes. That's a form of revenge. You know, we have revengeful things in all of us that we do. It doesn't look like perhaps, you know, back in 2,000 years ago with a lot more street justice killing and things like that. But we do have, we can have revenge stir up in us. Maybe it's uh, deliberately posting something online, passive aggressively, knowing that the person who you're talking about will get it, but everyone else will just think that you're putting something out there on Facebook. That's a form of revenge. What is it in your world? Do you have revenge, a nature to seek revenge? That's, that's a litmus test. I love here. So um, interestingly, he's going into Romans 13 here, which... Uh, I haven't allowed time for us to go into tonight, but he's talking about submitting to the authorities. The very authorities that he were talking to in, in the Romans could be and were very corrupt and evil at times and um, doing, doing things wrong. And uh, he's actually said here in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. And here's the solution, but overcome evil with good. And he talks to submitting to an evil authorities, governing people that they don't agree with by doing good. It's a fascinating thing. You should look into that and study that scripture. But here's the so what. Okay, so what are you telling us, Pastor Stephen, that we all failed the litmus test? Yes, I am telling us that, me included, but there's a solution. So we go through this test and we notice that some of the results showing that we are not functioning fully out of perhaps living fully sacrificed in some of these different bazillion areas that I gave you tonight or other ones that obviously are all throughout the Word of God, because that is what the Word of God really is to us. It's a litmus test or a mirror that we hold up to ourselves, and it, and it shows us actually what God would like to do in us. It reveals are we acting out of legalism, out of a religion? Are we acting out of a um, carnality, out of our flesh that we're trying to do things? Or are we acting out of a spirit of grace and glory, like the book of Romans talks about? This is the test. And I know that we all did really well in some of those areas. You guys all did way better than I did, I'm sure of it. But we all have areas that probably we think we need to improve on. 
So welcome to the club. None of us are perfect. God's grace covers our imperfections. So there's no guilt. No guilt. Now, maybe there's conviction about some things that you need to work on. That's, that's good. But there's no guilt here tonight. Jesus paid for all our guilt. You don't have to feel guilty. Just come to Him tonight and repent. But God's grace covers our imperfections. But on top of that, His grace also empowers us to grow in these areas that we've talked about tonight. So I'm going to ask us two questions. This is the homework. You can leave this and never revisit it if you want. That's your choice. I'd encourage you to ask these questions maybe as you're driving home, maybe in your next prayer time to God, obviously. Um, This is what we should ask to God, I believe, and what I've been asking through the Scripture. God, which one of these areas do you want me to strengthen? Which one of these areas? Okay, I don't want you to tackle everything all at once. My list was really big, so I just have to go through it at one at a time. God, this today, or God, this week, what's the one thing that you want me to strengthen out of this litmus test? And God, how would you like me to do that? Two simple questions, and I believe he will answer you if you actually take the time to seek him. So the the solution to this comes back to the beginning of the, the chapter again, where he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to renew our minds to function out of this, this place of, of love being sincere and all these things. We do this primarily through the power of God's word to transform us. We need to hear his word. Romans 10, 17 says that. We need to read his word. Revelations 1, 3. We need to study. Acts 17, 11. I'm not going to go and memorize. You know, these are just one verse of many that would say that we need to, this is how we renew our mind. We, we hear the word of God. So we commit to regularly coming in and, and hearing uh, preaching from, from me, from Pastor Lon, from anybody that, you know, and, and hearing it, great podcast and, and hearing the word of God um, spoken over you and the things that he said to you, continuing to speak that and, and hear that through our spiritual ears. Um, we read the word of God. So you commit to actually getting into his thing um, and, and reading that, studying it. There's a difference between reading and studying. So studying the Word is, okay, God, do you actually want me to look into this a little bit below the sort of just my daily devotion, but what would you say to me through this and memorize? We need to be memorizing the Word of God. Does anyone here find it really hard to memorize Scripture? My hand's up. Yeah, lots of us. Um, I actually found a great app. You can get these apps in the App Store that help you remember Scripture. And so it's cool. You should check it out. If you want it, come and see me afterwards. I'll give you the list. It's actually... I've read books, like many books on memorizing scripture. I've prayed really hard and they've been helpful, but this app's been the most helpful thing for me in memorizing scripture. They just does it really well. So there's tools that we can actually use these days. To, to those who are given lots, you know, there's a great responsibility. We have access to things that God can use in us and this would be one of those. So memorize the scripture and meditate on the scripture. The word of God tended in our hearts by the Holy Spirit is the only power on earth that can transform us. And it's what we need. So tonight, I, I want to conclude that we took a litmus test. God might have revealed some stuff in you, but I believe more than that. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.